This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3338 for Wednesday, the 19th of May 2021. Today's show is entitled, Using OpenSlash underscore client, like Telnet and is part of the series networking. It is hosted by Klaatu and is about 20 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is, OpenSlash underscore client is the new Telnet. Here is how to use it. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. You're listening to Hacker Public Radio. My name is Klaatu. Do you remember Telnet? Telnet was such a useful tool back in its day. It really was. And and actually long after. Because if you think about when Telnet was 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 developed initially, I guess, it was it was just sort of a general purpose tool. You would remote into a computer via Telnet and log in and run commands, I guess. Open a shell. I don't know. I've never used it like that. Uh, I've, actually, I think I did use it like that once, but it was a controlled shell and so it didn't really feel like a shell. But once it became clear that open, unfettered Telnet access to computers was not a good idea, and SSH took over, Telnet still kind of persisted, I think, a lot longer than maybe one might expect. People used Telnet to check out ports of computers, of computer targets. So, for instance, if you do, like, a Telnet example dot com space 80... Then you can reach the port 80 of, of the domain example.com. We don't know what's there right now, but you can, you can issue commands, like you could type in get space h, no, uh, space slash space http slash 1.1, and then I could do, um, host colon space example.com. So we're talking to port 80, we're asking, we're sending a get signal to a host on that server, and the host is example.com. We can see what we get. I'll hit return, and it seems to sort of freeze up, so I'll hit return again. And and suddenly I get the HTML page of uh, example.com slash index.html in my terminal. So, yeah, this is still a useful tool. You, you can still check, you know, if you're not sure, oh, why isn't this host talking to me or whatever, then you can maybe talk to it through other means, like with Telnet. The problem with Telnet, though, is that it is a little bit simple. I mean, I don't. there's probably more that you can do with Telnet. I've only used it really... Seriously, I've only used it for, yeah, looking at port 80 of a web server that may or may not be responding the way that I expect, and an email server, which, again, same same scenario. Is it set up correctly? Does it respond to to commands? And if so, do those commands make it do the thing that I expect it to do? So Telnet is useful. It it has been useful for a long time. But in today's world, of course, uh, things are a lot more complex than just looking at port 80. So if I go to Telnet, if I do Telnet space example.com, space 443, which ought to be the SSL port, and then do all those commands. So get uh, space slash space, HTTP slash 1.1, 1. 
uh, just closes that. It doesn't even want to hear about that. That's not a valid, that's not something that, that an encrypted uh, web server port or a secure socket, I guess, uh, wants to hear about. It just disconnects after that kind of command. So Telnet isn't as useful in the encrypted world as I guess it used to be where 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 things were were just kind of listening and and the only well there was no encryption it wasn't that there isn't an encryption layer there it is simply waiting for a known set of commands which is fair that's that's fine but we might need especially if you're if you're in the industry you might need something a little bit more advanced than uh something that doesn't know how to deal with with encryption and it turns out i've discovered that OpenSSL, um, the OpenSSL suite, includes a command in it, or a subcommand, I guess, called s underscore client. And s underscore client is a, a generic SSL or TLS client that can establish a transparent connection to a remote server that is also running SSL or TLS. It's intended for testing purposes only, and provides only rudimentary interface functionality. And there are other things within OpenSSL, like there's S underscore server, and a bunch of other stuff that I'm not even going to bother mentioning because I can't think of their use cases for myself. So S, S client, though, S underscore client, has been really, really useful for me when testing out various components on a network. And I wanted to kind of talk about it, because I don't think it's widely known. I mean, I'm sure it's widely known among you know some people. I guess the people who use it. But to this day, like when you're when you're looking around on the internet for like, oh, how do I troubleshoot this or that? The Times Telnet comes up in 2021 is a little bit shocking, and I'm I'm just kind of curious. I, I'm not I'm not convinced that the internet knows that it's running on SSL now, and that you can't just pop into a port and get information that you you might want. So OpenSSL S underscore client is your ticket to testing your encrypted ports. And I guess I'll back up a little bit and just kind of do a quick overview of, of what that means and why we would want to do it. And so I think if you've been playing around on networks for any length of time, then a lot of this will seem pretty familiar and basic. But if you haven't been, then here's some information for you. So for instance, if you just want to see if you can connect to a computer host, like you just want to see that computer host, if, if if it's apparently online at all, if it's a member of that network, then you might, you know, the, the, the super rudimentary easy thing to do would just to ping it, P-I-N-G. And that's just, uh, you know, I might do like a ping dash C for count one, and then I could do, for instance, example.com, and I get a response back from it, 0% packet loss. So that means example.com, I guess, must be in a pretty healthy state. It, it responded to me, it's online, everything appears to be normal with example.com, that's cool. But that's a very, I mean, like, that's the most basic information I think that you could possibly get from a host on your network. It's just, yes, it's alive, and yes, it's responding. But it, it doesn't really tell you a whole lot about any of the services that may be running on that computer. Now, you may not know what services are running on that computer either, and for that there are tools like InMap that can scan that computer and basically go knocking on every single port 
and see if it gets a response, and then it'll report back to you that, hey, the, this, this set of ports, these numbers, are running services. And that kind of used to confuse me a long time ago, because, I mean, the word port, you think of kind of maybe ship, ships and boats pulling into port, maybe, or maybe you think of an audio, like an audio jack, you put it into a audio port, something like that. And I understood that these ports weren't physical things on a computer, that they're just... They're, they're software devices that we can imagine exist. But I, I kind of, I think I always thought that they all did exist. Like there was a set number of them and they all existed. It was just whether software was running behind that port or not. And that's not quite true either. I mean, your computer creates a port when a service demands the port. It doesn't there's, you, you don't start up Linux or Unix and, and suddenly you have an array of ports that you can start services behind as needed. You you boot Linux and then you start a service and then that port is registered with the system. And if it's registered, then a thing can 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 see if it gets a response from that port. So it's it's a kind of a blind test going to a server to try to figure out whether it has a certain port. And then what that port is doing is completely up to that computer as well. All of that's important to know because just because your scan of a computer sends back information about port 80 being available, it doesn't really mean that port 80 is doing what you think it would be doing. It may just mean that port 80 has been stood up by some service, but you don't know that that service is behaving properly as it as it would be expected to, or even that that service is the service that you think it is. Now, if you're setting up, say, a web server for your company or for a, a department within your company, and they open their web server, web browser rather, and try to get to that website that you've set up, and they can't reach it, then you can probably, since you're the person who set it up, you can probably feel relatively confident that port 80 that you may detect is indeed running the web server that you've started. But is that web server doing the things that you expect it to do? That's the that's a question that. Yes, you can hit it as much as you want with a web browser, but you can only discover so much from whatever message your browser gives you when it can't find a web page. And that's where, traditionally, Telnet has come into play. Now, again, the problem with Telnet these days is that, quite possibly, your web site, your your web server is, is serving pages on port 443. You're forwarding port 80, or, or any request coming into port 80 to port 443 maybe maybe you're not but let's say you are and and so in other words when someone requests web information makes http requests to port 80 forward and on to 443 you're you're getting encrypted data and you're getting asked about uh, the the client or the not the client the certificate of of that page and that is squarely open ssl's domain so if we do open ssl s underscore client like i said that's kind of the sub command and then we just need to tell it what to connect to. In this case, we want to connect dash dash connect example dot com uh, space eighty and oh that didn't work. Not space eighty colon eighty space eighty is um, telnet. Okay, so colon uh, eighty and it looks like it has connected. It tells me it's connected and it tells me that there's no peer certificate available, no client certificate, CA name sent, SSL handshake 
has read 7 bytes and written 305 bytes, and uh, there's no cipher, there's no secure renegotiation, um, support compression none, and a bunch of stuff that says no, 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 no. And that's fine. I mean, like, if I do that to example.com colon, I don't know, let's do um, 99, then it, it sort of has timed out, or not timed out, but it's it's doing something, it's thinking about it, but it's going to eventually time out and tell me a different message than than what I got here. So that is telling me that, you know, it's, it's quite likely that, that, that there's a service running behind 80 and... And, and and if I'm feeling sure that it is a web server, then I can feel pretty sh- certain that that's what what that would be. Um, but uh, so I mean that 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 could be useful, but but not necessarily. What I really want to do probably is go straight to. I'm going to cancel that out. I'm tired of waiting for it to cancel out. So what I really want to do is open SSL s underscore client dash connect uh, space dash connect example.com colon four four three, and then I'm going to add one more argument here, which is show certs. So it's dash show certs, as in show certificates. And that gives me a screenful, a couple of screenfuls, really. If you're used to looking at keys, then this looks like one of them, really. So it tells me um, that it has connected. The depth is 2. The domain, the certification is, for example, .org. The certificate chain, it's a good 3 or 4 screenfuls of text, giving me all the certificate information I could ever want from that server. Because I've been talking so much, it has also timed out. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do that again. I'll endure the 3 or 4 screenfuls of text that it shows me, and now I'm... It, it reaches the end of that, and then it just kind of pauses... And this is kind of, this is the prompt, which isn't a a great prompt, but that is actually a prompt. So I can now type in things like get space slash space HTTP slash 1.1, hit return, and then my host. Of course, I want to look at example.com again, and then hit return, return, and now I see the example.com slash index.html as it is served over SSL. Now again, if I didn't care about the SSL component, and if this weren't example.com, which is serving pages that are accessible over port 80, then I, I, I wouldn't, you know, this is a, this is useful for, for SSL, and that's significant. If you want to troubleshoot the non-SSL HTTP stuff, then you can do that with Telnet. Like I say, there's still use cases for Telnet. But if your site is only serving stuff through SSL or over SSL, then open SSL, the command, S underscore client subcommand, is really what you want to use, or else you will not get the information that you're looking for. You'll get information, it just won't be all of the information that you would expect. Same goes for email. If you're testing your email server, then all your Telnet knowledge is still a applicable it's just you're going to have to kind of transition it over a little bit to open ssl s underscore client and that involves first and foremost getting the base 64 version of your username and password i don't exactly know why i've never actually looked into it but it's there's a super easy one liner to do this and it's perl dash m m i m e colon colon base 64 capital b there dash e and then print encode underscore base 64 parentheses quote and then you know whatever your username is so you know bogus close quote close parentheses semicolon close quote close single quote and that gives you 
a string of text that looks like gibberish, but it's actually really useful. You'll want to copy that. And you want to do the same thing for your password. So you've got your username and your password both encoded as strings of uh, base64. And then you can use OpenSSL client to connect to your mail server. So that would be OpenSSL S underscore client dash start TLS or yeah, start TLS. Uh, and then SMTP is the uh, protocol we're going to use here. And then we'll do again dash connect to let's just pretend like it's mail.example.com. I'm going to assume that that doesn't exist. And then colon 587, because that's, or, or whatever port you're serving your, your email over. But 587 is a pretty common one. And then you hit return, and presumably it would connect to that port. And then you do that weird telnet login thing where you do hello, except it's e-h-l-o, e-h-l-o, uh, example.com, auth, login, and then you paste in your username as as base64 and then you paste in your password as base64 and then you're in you're connected you're you're you've authenticated you are now talking directly to your email server and you can do a normal telnet style test which would be and you could find these kind of tests all over the place online uh, like i say you can almost not avoid them they're 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 just still out there in such in such number but a, a a simple test like this would be mail space from colon space um, no reply at example.com next line rcpt space 2 like receipt 2 rcp2 space 2 to um no sorry rcpt space to colon and then say admin at example.com or, or whatever you you can get a, an email uh, from or, or get email delivered to next line data next line subject colon test one two three and then you can write some text like this is my test email to myself as long as you end your text with a on a on a with a dot on an otherwise empty line it knows that you're finished sending your email and then you can quit you can get out of out of that mode because now you've sent a test email directly from just talking to that email service you go check your email on your uh admin at example.com or whatever I said, and you'll hopefully, ideally, see an email from no reply at example.com. And, and you've done it. And if you've done that with any email server ever with Telnet, then you know exactly that incantation. It's very, very common. The only difference is that you needed something to get past that authentication block, which, of course, is provided to you via OpenSSL S underscore client. Without that, you're not going to be able to get through that authentication process with with Telnet. At least not as far as I know. So anyway, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, yeah, OpenSSL S client, because I have found it very, very useful in the modern encrypted world. I hope that's useful to you. And if you have tips about this sort of thing, feel free to record your own episode of Hacker Public Radio. It's worth it, and it helps lots of people. Thank you very much for listening. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. 
If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Heka Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. Thank you.